0: Hello, welcome to Supernatural Stories, the show where you'll hear real stories of the supernatural from real people all across Canada. I'm your host and producer of the show, Cal Goodbaum, broadcasting from Rocking Chair Studio in Toronto. Hope you enjoy the show wherever you are. Thanks for listening, leaving a review, and sharing the show with your friends.
1: I'm Canadian. <laughs> I played hockey. <laughs> tough. I'm a tough guy. It's a voice
0: which needs no introduction. With 35 years on the air, he's known as the man of facts and hard science. But when he spoke with CBC's Rosemary Barton last month, Alex was effusive in his feelings for those who have reached out to him, the power of prayer, and the effect of positive thinking in coping with cancer.
1: Now normally the prognosis for this is not very encouraging, but... I'm gonna fight this and I'm gonna keep working and with the love and support of my family and friends and with the help of your prayers also, I plan to beat the low survival rate statistics for this disease. I had my last chemo this past week and I go in for a PET scan uh, day after tomorrow and then we'll have a better idea as to where things stand. And if we've managed to get rid of some of the tumors, that'll be great. You've got a choice. You can be pessimistic or you can be optimistic. It's a lot better to be optimistic because you stand a better chance of helping to cure yourself. I'm not alone out there, and I want them to feel that they're not alone, that they have somebody uh, who can speak out in public on their behalf and raise their hopes because that's so important. And I've gotten messages from people all across America, all across Canada, Prayers, advice, I've had so many masses said on uh, my behalf. Does it surprise
2: you that there there would be this kind of outreach?
1: It did to a certain extent, but there are a lot of really nice people out there. (laughs) So it no longer surprises me.
2: Has there been a message that has been particularly touching or resonated with you in a different way?
1: Just uh, to have a strong belief in a superior being and leave it in his or her hands.
0: When I found out that Alex Trebek has pancreatic cancer, which has a mortality rate over 90%, I made a little prayer for him, and I posted on the Supernatural Stories page about it, and I know we've all been keeping him in our minds, and sending positive thoughts, as are millions of others around the world who have grown up with Jeopardy. And then recently, the good news, when he reported the results of that latest checkup. He told People magazine, It's kind of mind-boggling. The doctors said they hadn't seen this kind of positive result in their memory, Some of the tumors have already shrunk by more than 50%. I've got a couple of million people out there who have expressed their good thoughts, their positive energy directed towards me, and their prayers. I told the doctors this has to be more than just the chemo, and they agreed it could very well be an important part of this. I've got a lot of love out there headed in my direction, and a lot of prayer, and I'll never ever minimize the value of that. So it seemed especially apt timing for him to announce this right after my last episode which shared true stories about healing beyond medicine. Go back and check it out if you haven't yet. When you think about praying for someone, many times we also refer to sending good positive energy. It's interesting that even though most people say they are not superstitious or even religious, talking about positive energy is still so extremely common. Similarly, we've experienced some of the opposite. Everyone has had a bad business meeting or family argument and can feel the moment that energy shifts in the room, or the feeling of a tense energy in an uncomfortable silence. When people say it got heated, or the energy was intense, they're trying to describe a feeling which is subtle, but which most of us can somehow pick up on. What is this energy, and is it a real thing? For myself, this question is less unsettled. I personally have had numerous times where I read another person's mind that I just assume there is an energy and we are sensitive to it. Ever since I was a teenager, I've been aware of these psychic situations, and they've only gotten more pronounced over the years. This episode, I wanted to explore more interesting stories about psychic phenomena, subtle energies, and interactions that go beyond current science. What about the flip side of energy healing and prayer? Curses. Voodoo bad mojo I spoke with Chris a professional tarot reader at the occult shop in Toronto he came into the studio and shared this story
3: I actually most recently about a year ago I had um elderly West Indian lady came in and she wanted to as you can imagine this was probably a you know common question that we get at the shop am I cursed am I cursed I'm here to tell you, 95% of the time, they're not cursed. (laughs) Actually, maybe even 98% of the time, I have guided someone through genuine curses, like maybe not even a handful of times in the 15 years that I've been there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. So I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Okay. So how am I going to explain this? Because the problem is when people have decided that they're cursed, or when they're so certain, it literally that's when things get, people will get mad at you cal for telling them that they're not cursed
0: okay mm-hmm. you can probably imagine i've had that happen to me yeah i've had people who contacted me because they're like oh paranormal show guy you must know how to get rid of curses or you must be able to tell me who can get rid of the curse and meanwhile i don't want to forward some stranger over the internet right to someone i know who might right do that right. because they're just some stranger and they sometimes they're not even in Canada they were, so I've had people who contact me and then you know how do I get rid of the curse sometimes they might be fairly reasonable or oh, but generally it's not someone who has a curse and there's some kind of craziness going on there and they'll get really angry and yeah absolutely absolutely. these are the people who I end up banning from the Facebook page
3: yeah 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 oh well, I've had people walk right downstairs and be like oh <laughs> he was totally wrong mm-hmm. he says I'm not cursed can I please see tomorrow or like
0: <laughs> When you say cursed, I think, and you also said West Indian, correct me if I'm, i think, you know, voodoo, hoodoo, there's a lot of um, people in Toronto who are voodoo and hoodoo practitioners. More
3: specifically, we have, I've found in Toronto, because I, I've looked for the more Haitian voodoo groups, and they're very, very, very there was, i Oddly enough, I met the guy that ended up becoming, the one guy in Toronto who ended up becoming the new head Ati, or like the head of the tradition now. <laughs> oh, okay. After mm-hmm. Maxwell Baveau passed away like two or three, four years ago now, something like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um well, that was kind of funny, but uh, obviously now he's in Haiti, he's not in Toronto. But predominantly, yeah, like Senderia, Lucume, um, Candomblé, Macumba, like a lot of the Brazilian, uh, the general sort of like more Latin American yep. side of the African diaspora, yep is forgot, there's just there's three people i know in this area actually
0: okay yeah, in yeah. this immediate area yeah because i guess i'm not too far from there's a little portugal and kind of little brazil kind of going on yeah
3: and then as you go into little portugal you'll even find a couple of polaros and it's just like on and on and on and on and on from there but then when you talk about the west indies so they have their obeah tradition which is a catch-as-catch-can kind of smorgasbord of what we would even consider hoodoo mm-hmm. right so obeah like hoodoo not a religion a spiritual practice therefore anyone who practices it can be of any other religious domination in jamaica tends to be seven-day adventist pentecostal and other branches that they created through their own
0: loosely organized churches absolutely
3: and um uh yeah they yeah and and to be fair they will throw bad mojo like that around like it's it's like playing tennis so this lady come, and again, so I'm already prepping for the, okay, probably going to tell her she's not cursed. How am I going to make her understand she's not cursed and all this, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there, and I got about four, I use about a 14-card spread. I got about five cards into it, and then out of left field, nowhere, bam, suddenly I'm seeing this scene where this this like, uh, essentially like a, like what looked like a backyard shed with lots of overgrown grass around it gravel on the on the bottom and then big kind of like a, i think it was a cauldron but a large iron receptacle of some it was so covered in rust i couldn't tell if it was like a proper cauldron or just any sort of like bowl i'm looking at the different like literally the impediment like miscellaneous detritus like in the bottom of this mm-hmm. and sort of like the the bluey greeny flames i'm like Later, I was like, okay, so that's some sort of, like, Florida water accelerant or something like that or whatever you can find at any spiritual supply store. And then I see, like, the weird sort of velium sheepskin being crumpled up and then thrown in here and thrown into this and ignited. And I was just like, and then back to reality, and then I'm finishing, like, the cards in the spread, and I'm like, ah, oh, crap. Right? So I basically had to look at this woman and, like, yeah, Yar, <laughs> are. You cursed.
0: Back in the first episode of this season, I spoke with Deborah Lynn Katz, a psychic who had numerous stories to share for the show. My apologies in the delay in getting out new episodes of the show to you with these stories. I'm just one guy doing all the research and production for this podcast, so don't mind the hiccups. If you want to support the production of the show, you can contribute through the Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash supernatural stories, or better yet, Tell your friends about the show and leave a good review so more people hear about it and send in their stories. Or, if you're psychic and you have a psychic twin like Deborah, they already know.
4: I have an identical twin sister, and from a very young age we were having
2: psychic experiences.
4: There was this thing in my parents' doorway quite frequently From the time we were very young, and I think that maybe over the period of a year or two was there, and then what happened was we didn't really know the other was experiencing it. It was just something that we each had to individually deal with. As we got a little bit older, we talked about it and had the exact same experience, but basically it was a figure of a man that would be standing some mornings in our parents' doorway, and it was just that silhouette, and it was filled in, like, with the snow. It looked like the snow of the old TVs, the black and white static-y. I would just see it there, and I'd be like, oh, darn, that's there again. And I would want to go into my parents' bedroom, so I would just get up the nerve. Like, I would have to really psych myself up, and then I would run through it. I'd even, like, close my eyes. And then once I got through it, I'd look back, and it wasn't there anymore. And it wasn't like I even told my parents about it because I was so young. It was just part of the house. But my sister had that exact same experience, so I never figured out what that was. But I didn't even have the word for spirit at that young age. It helped having the twin sister who we would feel each other's feelings and, and think each other's thoughts, and so the stuff was just totally normal to us growing up. There were some mornings where I would—we had bunk beds. And I was on the top, and I would just be laying there. Now I don't know if this was related to her initially. But I would be laying there, and something was coming into the room, and it would be a feeling. I think it's what people call free-floating anxiety, and there's a reason. That's a term even in the DSMR psychological manual. It would be this feeling that floated through the room. It would reach me. It would float through me, and when it floated through me, it just felt terrible. It would only last about three seconds or so and then it would pass out of me and be gone and this would happen several mornings like if I woke up early and I would I would feel it kind of coming around the corner and and it was like oh no it's it's almost here it's almost here okay it's passed through me and now it's gone. Maybe like a year or so after that kind of stopped but then I would notice I would be feeling fine one moment and then the next I would be feeling so anxious or nervous or upset for no reason. And then my sister would walk in the room about five minutes later after something really, really upsetting actually happened to her. It really started to pay attention. And then as we got older, when we were actually apart from each other, we were in school and we were in different classes, you know, same thing as we got into college. I would just be doing my own thing and suddenly that feeling and I'd be like, what? Okay, what's going on with my sister? And then sure enough, she would call me.
0: If you have your own supernatural story you'd be interested in sharing in a future episode, get in touch by going to www.supernaturalstories.ca. It redirects you over to the Facebook page where you can send a message. Or if you're Facebook-averse, you can email at Supernatural stories Canada at gmail.com back to Deborah
4: We've also had experiences where we communicated with each other in dreams and, and that was that was pretty cool. I could share one example of that. We were in college sharing a dorm room, and I had been out for the evening and I came back home to her room and she was asleep and i could tell that she was having a dream a bad dream she was passing and turning and i was going to wake her up because we've both over the years had what's called paralysis dreams where we have a nightmare and we can't move
0: oh i've had it too many times
4: <laughs> i was gonna say i am sure you have had your own experiences with those most people who who are having other experiences, also tend to have at least these occasionally. I was going to go wake her up, and then something just stopped me, and maybe the internal scientist within me said, oh, let me see if I could wake her up with just my thoughts. I just closed my eyes, and I sent her these thoughts, telepathically. So I was speaking to her in my head, not out loud. And in my head, I said, if you can hear me, raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand, and then when you raise your hand, you'll wake up. And I sent her that message a few times. And then I opened my eyes to see if she was going to raise her hand, and she did not. She did not raise her hand or or nothing happened. But then she seemed to kind of calm down. So I was just like, okay, well, that was a failed experiment. I'm just going to go to sleep. So I lay down and she wakes up a minute later and she's like, oh, my gosh, you would not believe the dream I just had. And I'm like, what? And she says, well, some force was after me and it was holding me down and I couldn't move and I was trying to wake up and I couldn't wake up. And then I saw you come into the room and you came and stood next to me and you told me to lift my hand. And you said, if I lifted my hand, I would then be able to wake up. And so that's what I did. And then the presence moved away and I was able to finally wake up. I was just absolutely stunned. I was stunned because the message had obviously come through to her. And this taught me a really super big lesson. I had totally expected that she was physically going to do it. I didn't expect that it was going to happen in her dream. So that taught me that these things work in very different ways than we would expect. You just have to be open to it. If she hadn't told me what had happened, in remote viewing language, we call it giving feedback. If she hadn't told me that, I would have never, I would have gone through my whole life thinking that that hadn't worked.
0: Deborah Lynn Katz is an active teacher in the field of psychic experiences. Anyone can increase their psychic awareness with a little instruction or self-exploration. It's not something you think about every day, but there are training methods and people like herself who try and instruct others to tap into this hidden knowledge. You may know someone else with her kind of psychic experiences and not even know it. Talking to people I've met through this show, the majority of them keep their abilities fairly private and share them with a select few. That's why I was lucky to get a chance to meet with Julia through a fellow storyteller, Coogan, who got in touch with me last year when I started the show. I spoke with them at Ryerson University. Here's one of their stories about an ominous energy she could feel.
5: So we went out to Muskoka because my boyfriend and him are into cars and they love their junkyards and all that and oh, yeah, I, I agree, just yeah. tag along for the sake of hanging with my friends, like I'm not into that stuff, it's, it's their thing. And so we get there, and this guy's field, it's like this older man, and I think he's like getting up there, in age. So they're trying to clear out some of the stuff, and he has like acres of junk, basically, <laughs> yeah. like there's cars and stuff, and, you know, she's, they're middle, basically in the middle of nowhere, like there's their house, and then there's just it's
2: on the, end of a dirt road by Kilburn National Park. Like
5: yeah. there's nothing around, and she was saying to us, like we were walking, she's like, okay, well be careful of like this area, this area, it's called Ghost Road, and... I see stuff, and Coon's like, oh, yeah, Julia has a good intuition. She's like, well, honey, if you have a good intuition, you'll surely see something. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, sure, whatever. Like, I I get people all the time, be like, oh, this is so scary. And then I get to it, and I'm like, there's nothing
0: here. (laughs) It's pretty bold to call it
2: Ghost Road.
5: Yeah, she called it Ghost Road. That was her name for it. And then there's like another circle, I forget, she had another like really dark name for like the circle as yeah, well. the
2: Devil's Circle, something like I can't remember. Something like that. But
5: there was definitely Ghost Road, like that was her name for it. So we were walking along, and all throughout I was like, okay, I feel fine. Nothing here, this lady is just saying, stuff that probably scared the kids from yeah. going too deep. Though she did mention some of the cars have blood in it because they're like accident cars, and this guy just collects them. And we go by one of the cars and suddenly like I feel like the tightening in my chest and I'm like, okay, maybe it's in my head. But like every single time like I went near it, like I just felt something wrong with it. And Coogan's like, oh, this is the car that I I was looking at buying and I'm like, no, you're not. (laughs) You're not buying that car. (laughs) She she claimed that there was nothing wrong with it, but like maybe there was something like around it. Like maybe there's something inside it because there's like stuff everywhere. but. Whenever I went nearby that car, I felt fine everywhere else in the junkyard, but when I went by, I, like, I felt like I was in danger, I felt like I was tightening in my chest, and there was just some bad energy just going off that area. It's like a cloud, I guess you could put it.
2: And it's funny that she had that feeling around that curb, because if I recall correctly, that's where she saw the Bigfoot sighting, right? Or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, she the saw to go.
5: the Wendigo yeah, sighting so, nearby and, like, that this, area. And this is...
2: You know, but basically, she told us and she had a, a witness to it, too. So, niece, so
0: I think. Yeah. I've spoken with a few guests who have mentioned stories about Wendigo and about Dogmen. No, these are not just things made up for Netflix horror plots. There is a rich lore from the Algonquins. As of yet, no one is willing to tell any of the stories on the show, even ones that they heard told to them, because of tribal prohibitions against speaking publicly about any worrisome entities. If you have a story about Bigfoot or Wendigo or Dogmen that you want to share on a future episode, get in touch, especially if you have permission to speak about it from a First Nations perspective or, more significantly, are in a leadership position. The email address again is supernaturalstoriescanada at gmail.com or go to www.supernaturalstories.ca. If you want to read stories about Wendigo and more, you can also look into Friends of the Show Paranormal Events from the Rez, spelled R-E-Z. They're a group that shares true stories like these, albeit in a written format. The final story is another one that, like Chris's story earlier, touches on black magic and witch doctors. But there's an unexpected twist in this story that was told to me over the phone earlier today from Sanya in Toronto. My aunt, she lived in Toronto at the time, and we
2: live in Mississauga. And we find out that she's schizophrenic. She was having some tough time at home with her husband, and she had a son, a little baby as well, same age as my brother. So then my aunt was like, I need to, like, not be here. I don't want to be at home. I'm fighting with my husband. so Then my mom was like, okay, I'll pick you up, and you're here, and I can bring you guys to our house, and you can stay here. She was laying in my bed. She didn't want to leave. She just lay down and just open her eyes and look into nothing I remember my mom asking me to go upstairs and go ask my aunt if you want to go and get something to eat maybe like go out to a restaurant Mm -hmm. I go upstairs and I ask her I'm like hey do you want to get something to eat and she just looks at me like blank stare my uncle and he said he lives in Toronto he can they can stay at his house because he lives in Toronto near where they live so it'll be fine he's like I'll take her home tonight remember this key part. My sister goes to sleep before my uncle even comes over. She was tired, but ended up sleeping at like six. And my uncle came over at like seven. But so my sister fell asleep. She doesn't, she doesn't know. She just went to bed that night. Dad and everyone were all chilling on the first floor. My uncle came over my aunt came downstairs. We're all talking and my aunt was just being really weird. And then uh, my mom and me were looking at each other like, what's going on? And then she left with my uncle and her son and they left to my uncle's house. After they left me and my mom were talking, we're like something is really weird and my mom's like, you know what, let me call somebody. So she calls this like um this Muslim like kind of witch doctor, sorta. It was someone who like was of the faith, kind of like calling a priest, but also dealing with like paranormal stuff. I don't know how to explain it. So she called him and she's like, My sister, something going on with her, and he said that someone back home has done black magic to her. It's very common in Pakistani culture that they do black magic from back home to make the family go down in financial and health and stuff so they can be superior. Me and my mom were just like really spooked about that. The next morning, yeah, so my sister, she wakes up from her like long ass sleep. She wakes up Finally, and then she gets up and she passes my room. Then she opens my door and she sees my aunt sitting on my bed, staring at her. And my sister's like, oh, okay. And she just closes the door. And she goes downstairs to go on the computer or something. I wake up and I bolt straight downstairs to tell my sister what happened last night. She's like, well, where is our aunt? I'm like, well, she went home last night. And then my sister turns white like a ghost. She... I was like, wait, no, wait. And she's like, Sonia, I just saw her on your bed. I opened the door and I saw her. She was sitting on your bed looking at me. I was like, what do you mean? She went home last night and she was like... My sister, I've never seen her that shocked in my life. She was so scared. We were like, what the hell? Like, we were just shocked. We went upstairs and we're like freaking out. We wake my mom up and we're like... My sister saw her uh, sitting on her, uh, uh, like, on my bed, but she's not even here. Like, she went home last night, you know? Like, what the hell? So my mom, me, and my sister, like, we all three of us opened the door, like, in Scooby-Doo or something. All three of us opened the door, and no one was sitting on my bed. No one. It was just, like, my blankets were ruffled as if someone had been sitting there. And no one was there.
0: I hope you liked the variety of true stories in this episode from across Canada and beyond. The music featured was from The 126ers with Secret Conversations, Poddington Bear with Shines Through Trees, Tyrannic Toy with Black Road, and Adapt with Mercury Cry. The rest were original tracks. Thank you for listening to Supernatural Stories, and thanks for telling your friends about the show and supporting A Place for the Supernatural in Canada. There isn't another thing like this for people to share these stories, and there won't be unless you support it. So let people know about it. Get in touch with your true story at www.supernaturalstories.ca. If you'd like to contribute a dollar per month or more to this independent podcast, go to patreon.com
2: supernaturalstories Till next time.